Welcome, you're listening to Geekologist Radio, division of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. Hey, it's Damien, and we're going to be going into our queue with this episode, episode number 79. That's right. We're on, it's just doing deuces tonight again. Uh, it's Nick and I. We're going to go through, definitely going to be giving you the information, the lowdown on, uh, you know, the few of the shows that we go deep into right now that him and I have been following along the lines of. Nick, how's it going tonight? Good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good, and we're getting ready to just jump right in. No errors and omissions this week. This was a twofer, none on Game On and none on uh, this. So, you know, let's just keep up with that strain, and we're going to go into The Gifted. Now, this episode is entitled, I know we haven't talked about a lot of the episode titles, but this one is titled Got Your Six. And there's a lot. This one was not only story building, but just there's a lot of feels in this episode nick what was some of the stuff that you noticed with this and also on the titles damien have you noticed that they're just tossing in a random x everywhere and capitalizing? oh yeah it? yeah the x He's... gets capitalized the, the references to the x-men it's coming to it's coming to a head i feel that we're going to find out either we're going to eventually meet a survivor from the x-men or something's going to happen because there is so much we learn a lot in this episode. So let's start off with um, a little bit of confusion that maybe we had with the July 15th incident. This this episode and last episode kind of revealed what the incident was. It was an incident that happened in the gifted universe. We were talking about before how it was involved with Logan universe, uh, the Logan movie. I, it's not now. It's a, It's its own thing. So it's not really an error's omission. It just it was tied in, but or we thought it was tied in. But now, as the seasons progressed, it, we we realize now that it's its own thing. Yeah, and it's uh, but they we still they still are grabbing at things that are going on in the future because they have characters that appear in Logan, as in the Doctor and things like that. Correct, with yeah. same emblems. So we we know that it takes place in the same universe. It's just they're not these are not talking about the X-Men. We do know that the X-Men have disappeared, which that, the disappearance of the X-Men, that does, in fact, reference what happened with the Charles Xavier. Correct. I'm only stating just that July 15th yeah. date that we thought was tied in, and mm-hmm. now as the season's progressed, and now we're on episode five, six now, uh, got your six, uh, of course, um, we realize now it was his own incident. Now, this mm-hmm. episode does open up with a little bit of Johnny's background. Um, yeah. As being a soldier, he's a veteran, and we see him trying to do a little charity work and raise some money for veterans and uh, how how the world was when he didn't have to go into hiding, but he was still being harassed as a mutant. You, you see him, they throw a pipe bomb at him. He has to protect the, protect people. Um, he throws the pipe bomb to a car. It's, a pretty, it's actually a pretty cool scene. It um, is. But it's the first time that we got a little bit of the background on Johnny so far, which uh, is Thunderbird, and he is my favorite character so far on this show. Now, do you think he's your favorite character because of the backstory we have of him now, or is it just a favorite character overall because of kind of how his how he portrays or how he how he is to the rest of the of the characters involved? I think that you can relate to him because he's a leader. He cares. He cares about uh, humans and mutants as one. He's trying to bridge that gap that is gone now. 
and in this in this in this shot that shows a little bit of his past, the bridge wasn't so far apart. They mm-hmm. were being able to coincide together in one, you know, society, and now it's completely shattered. And you can see Johnny as a leader and holding things together on both fronts. Even in the mutant underground, he's holding together the different, you know, the different uh, uh, factions. Correct. Uh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Good word for that. I was trying to come up with something. Yeah. Different factions in that. And also, you know, you have some, you know, you have uh, 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 some characters that are in there that are humans. Uh, you have what is it? Uh, the two parents are. Uh, Stephen Moyer's character, which uh, you have the Struckers. The Struckers are the yeah. Thank I you, Reed and Kate Strucker. Yeah, uh, they are now in the mutant underground with them, and that's causing some turmoil. But Johnny is holding that together, kind of. Yeah, one of the key characters that's actually part of this turmoil actually is Shattered, and uh, uh, or Shatter, excuse me, not Shattered, Shatter. And what's interesting about him is he's one of the youngest character-wise from that that was pulled in he's an interesting character uh he first appeared in or in morlocks number one uh this is a jeff johns and sean martin uh or martin brow uh comic that book that came out in 2002 he was a member of the postman chicago branch of the morlocks and the morlocks are those you know the kind of yeah that they you know they're they're they actually at one point made up majority of the brotherhood yeah, they were based. They're basically the teenage mutant ninja turtles of the X Men. They're down the sewers. They're down the gritty gross. Yeah. Now, the thing that made him take his name. So when he actually started uh, coming into his mutant powers and starting to look different, uh, his skin basically he has invulnerable skin. Yeah. And what he if you think of if you think of Killer Croc from Spider Man, he kind of he kind of resembles that with some scaly skin and. His scaly skin is actually the result of an attempted suicide. Oh. When he took on, and that's hence the name Shatter, is because his skin, when he put a gun to his head and pulled the trigger, it just caused a shatter mark to appear. Oh. And that is, that is why he took the name Shatter. It's a little more in, in the comic. It's a little more actually indented and everything. But this character, he started off, He's he's been a side character, but... He's growing on me quite a bit, actually. Okay, yeah. And he in, was in he the, was more involved in this episode. Exactly. And in this episode, it shows the dynamic of... Th- this episode is definitely the parent episode. You see it in multiple storylines that are going on in this uh, in this uh, series. And But what also you see is you see, you see uh, the mother, uh, Strucker, uh, not Reed. Uh, Kate. Her name is... Kate, yes, Kate Strucker, she's a nurse, an ER nurse in the in the series, and you see her going through stuff, and he goes into this kind of lost and found, and he sees that she's trying to find books to teach the mutants. So instead of this, now Shatter has been opposed to the humans being around whatsoever, and and rightfully so, considering that Reed had, you know, tried to at one point. Was you know well Reed was a prosecutor for mutants, so we already had that that yeah. he had against him. But and he was trying he, to get Sentinel services to mm-hmm. uh, discover the mutant underground to save his family to give them immunity for. Mm-hmm. So he was trying to sell everybody out until basically almost the last minute. Yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons why there's this there's these factions that are taking place, and, and Shatter's kind of one of the lead one of the the leaders of 
the faction was against. But you see in this episode, he starts to kind of take, he takes starts to take a different side because he sees that Kate actually cares about the other mutants, the young mutants and stuff, and has taken a motherly role with that. And so his character, I think, is going to start appearing more and more in the episodes. And what he, where he does show up, he's he's a fun character to see the dynamics start to change because he represents if you were the the culture if you were the group that has been wronged and then you have these groups that are like that are that were a part of that that association that wronged you and now they're seeking asylum with you it it pits that that area where you have to make a decision of is this something that I'm okay with is this something and he rep, he's one of those characters that represents that and it, it's good 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 time to watch that's i always i always say i always learn something i did not catch shatter i did not catch that he was kind of an easter egg of a of a of a, of a mutant in there i i did not catch any of that um so that was some good points you always make me learn something on here uh, another thing i wanted to bring up and uh uh since we're on easter egg and i know we're talking about got your six but in episode five, it was uh, boxed in, where, mm-hmm. again, I was talking about a previous week where Polaris is kind of getting more aggressive. She shows it in this episode, but just a real quick Easter egg. Her and Eclipse are driving in a car. She mentioned that she wanted to name her baby Aurora, who is an original X-Men. Uh, not original X-Men, but she was in the X-Men universe, X-Factor from Canada. It just kind of made me fun. As soon as I heard the name, I was like, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. And uh, both her parents died in a car wreck as they were driving aggressively trying to get away from Sentinel services. And she's talking about name her kid Aurora. So a little bit of Easter egg in episode five. Um, I don't believe that ties in. I think they're just throwing that in there because Aurora had a twin brother. They haven't mentioned mm-hmm. anything about her being pregnant with twins. So I just wanted to mention that real quick. Now on episode six, got your six. Another thing that happened that was big for me was that dreamer and Johnny have kind of been stringing along blink because they needed blink to help them out with, because of her her mutant abilities, she mm-hmm. can portal you to different locations. And they needed her help. She has called out Dreamer for putting the memory in her that her and Johnny were together, or that she loved Johnny or cared about Johnny. Um, and she has confronted Johnny at this point too, and now decided to leave the mutant underground. Uh, I thought that was big. Uh, I don't know so where that's. I didn't know where that was going, but she's a strong character. One of the first ones we see get saved. So I, I, uh, episode one, she was saved by them. So I'm, I'm really curious of where that storyline takes us. Now she said that you know you're not the only person that has people to find, and that's what she leaves on. Good and, point. Yeah, yeah. And so it leads you to think that she's. We're gonna find out that she's out there looking for her family or whoever else that she needs to find. So mm-hmm. it's not the last we see of Blink because we know Blink is a key character to this mutant underground. And not only that, but her mutant abilities is much needed. Mm-hmm. They need that ability to do a lot of different things. Not like they can't get around it with all the other abilities they have, but it's a very it's a very good ability to use. Um, she does. I forgot that she said that, and we did see in episode one her being rescued. Maybe she was out there trying to find her other mutant friends at that time. So good point there. Yeah. Now. Some, one of the other things when we talked about this, we're talking about this one being the parent episode. You see the results, uh, or you see both Kate coming across, uh, and basically the parent groups get separated. So we know that there are the parents-to-be, which is Eclipse 
and Solaris. No, not Solaris. Polaris. Polaris, yeah. And then you have the parents that have, you know, you have Reed and Kate who have the mutant children. And what happens is, is this turns into like a mentoring thing where both where they go off, uh, Reed and his son go Andy. off on a mission. Andy go off on a mission with Eclipse. And during this thing, the other thing about this show is that this show shows variations of the mutant abilities. So in the films, they say, you know, uh, Hugh Jackman says when he's Wolverine, oh, it hurts every time. But you didn't really see that he was hurt because of his healing factor and everything. You didn't really see pain until you saw Logan. Logan portrayed the fact that, yeah, it hurts like a son of a bitch anytime his claws come out. I thought that was a very good conversation. And I think I know you're leading here. This is where Reed is asking his son, Andy, how it feels to use his powers. And Andy has some of the strongest mutant abilities right now. Uh, we don't know how far he can take. Doesn't it remind you kind of an earthquake a little bit? Yeah. Where he can, yeah. He can, who knows where he goes with his powers right now. He's just starting off uh, trying to control them. Reed is trying to ask him how it feels. And he's also trying to make sure he can hone in his powers and not get too aggressive with them, I guess, or not mm-hmm. take it too far where he hurts somebody. That is Reed's concern there. Now, the reason why Reed comes up with this question is because mo- moments before this happens, the group gets pulled over and there's a cop looking inside and there's, you know, they have some stuff loaded up in the back of the trailer like it's a moving trailer. Now, what Eclipse does is he sucks the light out and blocks the flashlight from coming in and it makes it stay dark in the back so much so that and, and it's not like the the officer thinks that oh where's my light going he actually beats on this flashlight to try to see what's going on and then he gets called away yeah he's sucking the power out of the flashlight and so it but it shows that that is an ability that maybe that yeah sure he has the ability to con- eclipse has the ability to control light and all these other things but through the episodes, you see that he's teaching himself to hone it still. He's still honing his ability. And this is something that he was able to do, but it put a lot of strain on him. You can see the pain that he was going through. And that's something I appreciate with this is instead of just having powers and they have powers they have to do power, to do abilities, you see that it's like if you're lifting weights. If you're lifting weights or if you're lift, you know, you're trying to hold on, you're playing tug of war and someone's tugging on that rope eventually there's strain and your muscles are starting to start to give in. And that's what you're seeing here is that it's like he's straining a muscle, trying to keep that out. And you see the sweat forming and all this stuff's going on. And that's what Reed and Andy are seeing. That's what brings up the conversation. And, and Eclipse even said, he's like, he's uh, I'm wore out. That took a lot out of me. And you do see that in different mutants across the universe where, uh, you've seen, you know, Storm use a bunch of her, a lot of her abilities, and she's honing a lot so much, and then you can see her just kind of faint, and you you do see that across, and I, I do appreciate that too that they're adding that in the gifted. I think that's pretty uh a pretty standard across mutant uh films though X Men what you know everything that everything they do strains their muscles, their brain. You know, you've seen Xavier mm-hmm. get worn out before, so you you've seen that before, but to ask your son. How it feels uh, was I thought was a pretty good conversation to have, and mm-hmm. to make sure your son wasn't hurting, you know, uh, you know why he's and doing then, it. And then when this happens, 
the Eclipse comes over and starts talking to Stephen Moyer's character, which is Reed, and uh, and he starts talking. The reason why I'm saying the actor's name is because the actor is a parent, and his his wife is actually in X Men. Uh, his his wife Amy Acker. Is, what? No, no. Amy Acker. Uh, uh, talking about yeah, Reed's uh, wife. Yeah, no. Reed, Reed's uh, uh, Stephen Moyer's uh, real life wife. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, she uh, she played Rogue. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't catch yeah. that. Yeah, his real life wife he met uh, off uh, the the TV series uh, True Blood, which I'm a, a big fan of, and so he has he has some children, and you can tell being a parent, you can see when an actor's you know if you know someone's if you follow someone's career and you follow some of the stuff that they've been in, you can see when they're acting and when they're not acting. And when he starts going into talking about being a parent and they're talking about how he's talk he's coaching Eclipse on, he goes, well, you're going to be a father soon. And, and Eclipse is kind of like, he goes, are you excited, basically? And then Eclipse is kind of like, well, I, I don't know. My father wasn't around. And he, so he's trying to explain that, you know, well, you know, we if we were our fathers, we wouldn't be where we are today. And when he says this stuff, when he's talking about it, you can see, you can see uh, Reed, uh, Stephen Moyer's character go for, switch from where it's acting that's believable acting to where it's you can see that he's grabbing from the fact that he's a real father because it's it's not acting he's talking about his kids and it it really gets you in the feels now this happens in a couple other places in here because so you have the you have these two that it's that's the mentoring thing here Eclipse is mentoring Reed on how to be a father or how how to help him guide his son as a mutant correct yeah as the way that he wishes that he would have had a father figure to guide him. Yeah. Now you go across to the other camp. You go to where, where, uh, the mute underground is is at. The mute underground is at, and Polaris is training the mutants. The younger, she's training the younger mutants to, to try to get them to hone their powers aggressively. Again, I'm, I'm watching this character develop Polaris, which is one of my favorite on the show too. But uh, we talked about it before the Brotherhood connection. Mm-hmm. So she's training. She's training uh, Lauren. Mm-hmm. And Kate gets gets frustrated with it, and gets angry, and she gets protective of of him. No, you can't be sending these these kids out to battle. And Polaris has to go into it. Well, this is has to explain to her they're mutants. This is their new normal. Yeah. They need to know how to defend themselves. Peace may never come, and so you have this different, this different sides of things, and then you have the human, the non-mutant, uh, that's also older, that comes in to kind of mentor the new parent, that's to, new parent to be. You know, she's going to have a baby. She's, you know, it's yeah, it's, and this is the the character, the pairing of this was really cleverly done. And it helps set up more stuff for the future, which is, which this is what this show does best is it's, it's great with its writing. It's great with setting up stuff. When I watch this, I'm not sitting there going, oh, okay, you know, I'm not, I'm not on my phone. This actually keeps me, because you can't be, you have to be, you have to pay attention because of all the little things they give you. Yeah. And, and then that scene, Kate actually not having mutant abilities steps in front of Polaris 
who was spinning a saw blade at that time and is about to throw it at Lauren and to show Lauren how she can block the saw blade. And you can see her parental, you know, her parental, uh, 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 I was thinking of, uh, uh, just when you're being a parent that you step in this, anything to save your kid. Uh, anyways, her, she steps right into it and she just is putting her life in line right there. Cause you don't know what Polaris is going to do because nobody knows right now. She's kind of, mm-hmm. uh, a loose she's cannon a wild right card. now. She's a wild card. Yeah, she was a wild card in episode five too, and she's a wild card in this yeah. episode also. And, but the the whole thing with with this is going in. They're, they're going. The, the episode is about basically a continuation of you see, you're seeing the results of episode five. You're seeing the fact that they've taken on. You you find out that there are mutants that are being used by Sentinel services to hunt other mutants. This is all the backstory that went on. This is where it connects into Logan because this is the backstory of what went on. You know, the they got the Sentinel Services got hold of mutants, started turning them against others, and they are right now the target of the gifted is Andy and Lauren. The Correct. Organ, the that of this series. You know, it's the parents of these two mutants, but these two mutants, their abilities, Nick, as you were talking about, their power and stuff is is stronger and and raw, and it's stronger than a lot of the other mutants out there. And so because of that, Sentinel Services is targeting them hard. Like, the other ones they want, but they really want these guys to bring them in, to turn them into weapons. I, I also think that this Lauren and uh, Andy kind of started this off uh, at the high school. And so Sentinel services were on to them. And then Reed's kind of spurned them and said that he was going to help them out and then decided he wasn't going to help them out. So they're kind of after the whole Strucker family. Um, Any one of them would be a good hit. But in episode five, too, we do see that Jace, who is running Central services, um, Dreamer kind of went into his memories a little bit to try to discover what was going on. And that's where we find where they're using mutants to uh, hone their abilities for their own usage. And that's when Eclipse and Reed and uh, Andy have to go to Baton Rouge to try to find some records to see exactly what's going on. Um, Also in this episode, I don't know where you're going with that, uh, uh, this Damien, but also in the episode, um, you see Dreamer and uh, Thunderbird, uh, Johnny, kind of go out in the balcony a little bit outside the Mutant Underground, and they kind of drop in that, what, two-and-a-half-minute conversation they drop a lot of knowledge right there. Yeah, they do. That right there. And it was is, quickly. I know, it was quickly. And I know that you were saying that you were looking up to find out. There, you were trying to look up to see who Sonny is. And there, we don't know. See, because Thunderbird is the actual original name Correct. of Warpath. Yes, that's his alias. That, so yeah. I was researching and looking because I, I right off the bat, I thought it was Warpath, the son. Mm-hmm. And then I looked into it. Now I'm, not, now I'm lost. Now I'm not really sure. Where where it's at, and if anybody can let us know, please. I I've I've yeah. I've researched it a little bit today and yesterday. I looked into it. Yeah, we know that Thunderbird's father was a member of the X Men. Correct. That's all we know. We know that he was a member of the X Men, and we know that Thunderbird was picked to start he, the Mutant Underground. So Thunderbird essentially is an extension of the X Men. Correct. That's the way I'm looking at it too. I'm. That's why I. He is the kind of the leader of this underground, even though there's not really a leader they kind of all have suggestions and kind of do what they Mm -hmm. want johnny's not really putting the stamp down on that but after this episode you can tell that 
he is definitely the go between between X Men and this series, The Gifted. But the other thing about about Johnny's character also is is that you know that his father might not necessarily have been the best X Men because Dreamer says you're not going to be your father. You're not your father. So we don't know. So whoever he is, he he did something not so nice. Is what we got? What we're thinking, or he messed up, or something happened. Yeah, I forgot about that. That uh, I was going to bring up this other point that maybe he wasn't even an X Men. Maybe the X Men put Johnny involved because Johnny was a veteran and he's been in war scenarios and a war is coming. X Men say, and Johnny even mentions that the war they might they didn't say we were going to win the war, but because Johnny's a veteran, maybe that's why they put him in charge because he's used to these situations. His father could have been somebody in the Brotherhood. But I thought that they said that his father picked him to be a part of the underground from the X Men. He, he said they they said that the X Men put him in charge. Put him in charge. Okay. He, All he, right. He, he said the X Men put me in charge, or uh, and see put that me in, yeah. in this in charge of, the, of this particular underground. Okay, and see so this that is might where be why I, have two people. Yeah, this might this is why I might be able not be able to find his father. Maybe I'm looking in the wrong place. Yeah. Maybe I'm looking at the X Men characters, and I should be looking at you know Brotherhood characters or something else. We'll do we'll do some research, see if we can get some more answers. Because like I know that like I said, this week Shattered really came into my mind. I wanted to learn more about his character, so I did some research on him. Uh, but that's something that we'll try to do. We'll try to do some research on these characters because the thing is, a lot a lot of these characters are made up, are made for the show, or and are taken as references from other characters. But Correct. we are finding characters like Shattered that are being included into this that are from various other outlets of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so we will look into some of the other characters and see what we can link up for you guys in the next things. Now, moving on from this, we were going to jump in. Now, we did our our Stranger Things episode. If you followed Stranger Things, if you like Stranger Things, uh, definitely check out our Stranger Things Season 2 or a recap that we went through and review of all the Easter eggs and stuff. But we're going to go a little bit in this week into some of the stuff because, Nick, you weren't able to be there, but... You got some stuff that you noticed, and I got something I kind of wanted to throw in there a little bit. So uh, I'm going to let you start this one out. Yeah, I wanted to talk about, first off, the break the fourth wall a little bit. Off the show, we discussed Stranger Things on a spoiler thread on, on Discord. And I had posted an article that was brought up last week about uh, Billy's character uh, being uh, racist. Um, now, my opinion was opposite of... Uh, you guys last week in the show, I thought he was just being a protective of his little sister. I thought he didn't want to be tied in because the party, the four boys, are kind of shown, seen at the school as losers. Uh, zombie boy, they call Will. And so I thought at the time that he just didn't want his sister to be in a new school wrapped into um, a, uh, a group of losers in his mind. You know, they're the coolest kids in the world to me, but... Um, so at that at that point we were kind of going back and forth on the Discord a little bit, and I didn't think anything of about it, uh, about it then, Damien. But after listening to the show, I went back and reread what I had written, and it seemed to me maybe it didn't go across that way, but it seemed to me that I was shutting down other people's opinions. And uh, not only is that not right because everybody has the deserves their own opinion, it's it's arrogant. Um, so if I was doing that, I apologize. Um, I just saw it a different way until. Until Cajun mentioned something on the show, and he mentioned the fact that Billy had definitely seen Mad Max with at least three to four of the characters. Lucas, Will, Dustin, um, Mikey. So uh, 
So at that point, I was like, okay. So I went back and looked at, I think, episode six or five, um, where you definitely see Billy seeing her with all the group. And that kind of flipped my head. I was like, okay, so maybe. Then I went back to episode, the last episode where he grabs Lucas instead of anybody else in that in the house. Uh, Billy did. He kind of slammed Lucas against the wall. And I was like, why did he do that now? So it, it's curious to me why they would write him to be uh, slightly racist in this in this show. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't bring the story along anyway. I know they want him to be the antagonist. I, I think the Ghostbuster scene was way more out of left field than them just joking around. I didn't understand that either. So do you have any thought on that, Damien? I just think it – well, here's the thing. If you have a character that is – because there's also the theory that was brought up was that if the syringe that was used on Will – Correct. Is yeah. this it was the same syringe that was used on Billy? There yeah. could be some type of transference of the entity that yes is from the 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 upside down, which would make this almost like a kind of a venom kind of style uh, a symbiote thing. Which, if you want your character, especially in the way that uh, kind of the world is at the moment with racial tensions and things like that, when that does come up and arise, if you want to make a villain character for your season three, this is the way that you can cross over and you create your villain. That's, that's the only thing that makes, it. yeah, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. I was talking to uh, Jeff Elderberry about that on the discord about the needle scenario that I was reading an article on ringer about that. And it's the first place that I saw bring that up. And I was like, ah, oh, I completely missed it. There's a lot of things you miss, you know, mm-hmm. um, Stranger Things 2 and Season 1 is very rewatchable for those type of things. So I also mentioned the fact that if the, if if that theory holds up in the Season 3 where he becomes the embodiment of the upside-down world, that would make sense. But otherwise, if you take Billy's character completely out of Season 2, what difference does it make? Who, who, who cares if it's Mad Max's mom dropping her off at the arcade or the school? I, I don't see a big difference you know what i mean it just uh, yes it, it pushed the story line along for steve kind of first yeah it gave steve that, somebody to battle in high school for basketball i'm I, I still didn't understand it you know yeah i can see that now one of the things i also wanted to toss out there is a lot of people it's been going around because the billy's character does look a lot like a young rob lowe <laughs> and he's like considered called the doppelganger, all that stuff. But if you've seen him in his interviews, when he doesn't have the the mullet and all that stuff, and the, the you know the uh, the uh, the Lost Boys get up, Lost Boys get up. You know, if if you take him outside of his Lost Boys look, if you were to think about who the actual star is, where you might have seen him before, why he looks familiar, that'd be because he played he played Jason in the Power Rangers film. The recent film that came out? Yeah, he's Jason. Oh, that's Jason? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. I, wow. Big, I didn't big be... difference. And what's yeah, interesting that's a huge is because this, but here's the other thing is, is that he is trending right now as one of the number one upcoming stars on IMDb right now for his portrayal of Billy, which is so interesting that we, we you know, we are going in talking about, you know, taking his character out, but people really liked 
or, or actually really liked his character. Now, if is that you know people that are saying they liked the look of his character or liked his character, we don't know uh, which way they're going I, with that. I don't know either. The, the 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 oddest scenes in that Stranger Things two season was with Billy. I mean, even the last episode, there's just really awkward scene with yep. him and the mother, kind of hitting on the mother a little bit there. And I was <laughs> that like, was kind of. That- but where is that going? Where? Why is that even added in there? I understand that her she's in a relationship with her husband. Stacy's mom. Stacy's mom. Eighties reference. That's where oh, that's coming in. That's okay. that's kind of yeah. all right. All right. That's yeah. Uh, but I could tell. You could tell throughout the season that she's not really happy with her husband. She doesn't yeah. really care for him. You get the hint of that. I understand yeah. that. But just a young kid coming into the house and hitting on her, and then <laughs> his character is very confusing to me. One, why would they write him as a racist? Unless he's the, I know he's the antagonist for the antagonist for the world, but unless two in season three he becomes, you know, what we talked about before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I was talking about is on Star Meter. He's right now currently ranked number ten. Now this is why they are talking about where you might have seen him before is because he's not, you know, when he first his first major film, which was the Power Rangers film, he was actually ranked number twenty two. So he's. <laughs> Stranger Things has brought him up quite a bit on that. Well, Stranger Things little... is popular. It's going to bring everybody up. Exactly. And so that, that's just kind of kind of just some of the stuff with that. It's a great show. Get your chance to go in there and watch it. If you want to go in deep, and we're talking deep, deep, deep. Yes. So deep that you wind up upside down. Check out our check out our shameless plug for our last week's uh, NRQ, which was our Stranger Things, all things Stranger episode what we're going to jump into next is i we're going to go into ghosted now this episode for me it was not i mean it added there's two key major points that it used as a character builder slash story builder but honestly i felt like if you were to take this episode and not have had it i may have been happier i was bored damien this is the yeah. first time this this show has made me bored. There's a couple scenes on the golf course where Adam's playing uh, the caddy, and Craig is again the lead role again. He's playing, uh, trying to be getting to this rich underground group. Um, those were some funny scenes. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of that, man, I was kind of bored throughout. This is I was playing on my phone. Yeah, same yeah. same here, and and you can't. When you're a 30-minute show, 27 minutes when you're streaming, uh, you can't you, – you have to be very careful with where you go because if you start to lose your audience, you're going to you – know, a couple minutes is a lot of time for your show. And this, this episode, it was where it was – character building was that Max, uh, he kind of started – he had he had a coming uh, – he had a conclusion that he came to is that his wife, he doesn't have a wife. So he removed his he, wedding ring. He took off the wedding ring. Yeah. Now this is leading him into having eventually a relationship with the, what the viewer thinks with, um, and I can't think of her name, but the gal who creates all the cool items and stuff like that. We talked about it in past episodes where she had the boyfriend who we thought, Oh, this is the time when the vampire is going to show up or something like that. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, we just realized one of the reasons why this guy doesn't have to have a job, theoretically, is we find out that her character is wealthy, very ri- uh, is very rich. 
Yes. She came from a rich background, which we didn't know before. And we are talking about Annie. uh, Yeah, Annie. That's right. Now, here's the thing with with Annie's character is that, again, if she was glamored or whatever you want to call it by some other entity, the boyfriend, then that would be giving him access to her wealth. So he doesn't have to work. So, so there's there's there's, no, there's another thing. Now we're we're going we're going off with theories here on that. Well, but we kind of have you to. A, you have to whether you got an episode that is <laughs> like this. That, yeah, that this you have to try to. Okay, I got to think of something. Yeah, this actually dropped the ratings down. The ratings on this episode actually though uh, on IMDb, uh, they actually I was surprised with the ratings on it. Uh, p- most people rated this out of 10. They rated The Machine, which is the title of the episode, they rated it as 7.5. And there's no yeah. way in hell I would have rated it as 7.5. I would have rated it... Uh, this episode, I would have rated, like... I mean, you know, honestly, I would have rated this probably a 4. Um, I'm, I'm 4 or 5, and I, I'm with yeah. you, because if you if you looked at up to this point, Ron, see, uh, episode 5, season 1, uh, episode 2 of the Halloween episode, that's like an 8 to me. That was yeah, such a great it episode. Great. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And even the Alien episode, which I, I didn't care for as much, uh, that was probably a 6 or 7 to me. It might have been more for you. Uh, mm-hmm. But this one, a 7.5, that's insane. Yeah, and that's what that's what people are rating this. So there's people that obviously that do like this and re- like it regardless. But for me, when you have the cast that you have, and also Barry, still, I hate I, – I, 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 I am losing – my interest in that character more and more. Yeah. Now, I know Jeff, Jeff kind of, he brought up, he goes, Oh, you know, he's not so good, but no, to me, he, th- this episode, the other thing, they end with him and yes. it was kind of, it was kind of a, it was atrocious. And I'm known for being the care bear. So for me to say that about something I like th- yeah. this episode, I kind of wish it could be erased except for the fact that it's the two things that moved the story along were, Max coming to the realization that his wife is gone to move into a relationship with Annie and um, Andy and us finding Andy having that a boyfriend. Andy, Andy is rich, and that's she probably bought that car for him because in I think episode three he had a brand new Camaro or something like that. Yeah. So Adam Scott and Craig Robinson though uh, getting that seven point five rating, people love these char- these actors. Yeah, and they'll love those characters. So we're probably going to see uh, you know a little polluted. Biased. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a, a polluted a rating there for me, but the it it's still a good show. I'm the next episode looks. I I'm worried about the next episode being Barry centric. I hope not. Um, because I don't I don't want it. It looks like it's going to be another like it, it should be an uptick, but the fact of the scenes I've seen. Are a lot of them are, are based seem based around Barry. Maybe they're going to take his character and change him, give him something to make him a likable character. But I I don't know. I, I I worry. I worry about them focusing on a character that is something that I don't have a connection to. Like you could, I would have rather have seen Bob. <laughs> I would have rather seen Bob make everybody it. loves Bob. Yeah, everybody loves Bob, including me. I would have loved to have seen Bob stick around and Barry to be the one that got ate by the alien. And you know, I'm sorry to say that. I guess you, everybody, you need, you need, as Cajun says, you need a heel. You need somebody to kind of be that awkwardness. But it's just there's yeah. a fine line between between being awkward and being just downright. Uh, this is kind of cringeworthy. 
and don't scare this away from you. He's not a focal point of any of the shows. No, We're just no, talking no, no, about no, no. next episode that he might be a focal point. This is a heavy Adam Scott, Craig Robinson driven show. Yeah. And so we're hoping next week that we get that some of these story elements that were in this episode will start to create, you know, that uptick again. And we'll definitely go into it with you but uh, on on that. But, yeah, so for The Machine, eh, it wasn't the best episode, but we still like this, the series. We'll still follow it. But what we're going to jump into is something that we absolutely love. And we're going to talk some white famous episode Life on Mars. Yes. This is another one of those episodes that is very much story driving. Like it, it has a lot to do with different characters and different things that uh, of setups. It's a lot of different setups, but again, excellently written. Puts you in scenarios. Yeah, Nick, you go ahead and talk into this one. <laughs> so. I like you were talking about for Ghosted for a 20, well, you're saying streaming 27 minutes. For writing something solid for 27 minutes, White Famous has not let me down yet. Yep. Each episode is jam-packed with fantastic writing throughout. Each character is developed a different way, and you don't, like, you don't see a, a lot of characters in this episode. This episode takes place at uh, their son's private school, uh, Trevor. Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow, yep. So they're basically having an open house at Trevor's new school, Broken Arrow, which is a private school that he got his son in <laughs> from uh, Floyd's agent, you know, Amy. And her husband actually sponsored, Amy's husband actually, who was the, the uh, head of the studio, actually sponsored to get the family in. This es- this episode does touch some racial tones on this. It does. Because this is a heavy, heavy white school. Um, they even mentioned the fact that uh, their family's almost like a charity case that they're letting in, um, which is uh, uh, his agent's husband. I'm dropping his name right now. Amy's husband. Peter. Uh, Peter. Yeah, sorry, Peter, who talks about they make him talk about racial stuff. Peter and the last two episodes, the dinner scene, in the last episode and at the school in this episode as a nonchalant thing. And mm-hmm. what I love about this show is that. Floyd doesn't just put his head down. His girlfriend or ex, you know, baby's mama, his ex-girlfriend <laughs> kind of does. Sadie kind of puts her head down in this episode and doesn't really bring it up. But Floyd, so far, they have written his character to be extremely strong in this field. He will not let you get away with saying something stupid, which Peter does very often. And he's done for three straight episodes saying something stupid. And the dinner scene, they bring up, and this is not, this is, uh, sorry, this is not this episode. This is the previous episode. They bring up when is it okay to say the N-word. And Floyd basically is just like, never. Never is okay. And in this episode, uh, uh, Peter and and Amy went to a relationship counselor, and they're doing this open scenario thing where uh, let's just have an open dialogue here and say something, you know, outrageous basically in the open dialogue. And Floyd, Floyd takes every one of those chances and just shuts them down. Like, no, you're being dumb. No, you're being stupid. No, you can't say that. Uh, I love Floyd Mooney. I love this character. I, I love the fact that the writers have made him a very strong African-American character who does not let people get away with saying stupid things. He doesn't care if they're the head of the studio. He doesn't care if they're their agent. That He doesn't care if they're Jamie Foxx. He is going at everybody, no matter what, if he doesn't care if it hurts his career or not. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the whole the whole concept of White Famous was is that it's it's the fight for him to want to be able to expand his career without yes. becoming. You know, he doesn't want to be the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. He doesn't want to be Will Smith. He wants to be himself. He wants to be true to his culture. Yeah, he's not going to sell his, his culture out. He's not going to sell himself out. He's not going to sell his culture out. He's not going to sell his his child or Sadie or Balls, his best friend Balls, who's a great character in the oh show. Oh my too. god, that that char- Balls is actually out of all the characters in this side characters or anything. Characters are coming back from Californication. Uh, Ron is his actual is his act- is his first name, but he's just known as Balls. Okay. Yeah, that that character is by far he is again ex- this perfectly written comedy relief yeah and this is the thing he's comedy relief for a comedian and he's hilarious and he's not he, but the, the, he's not trying to be no he's not he's just being himself he's not written to be a comedic relief he's actually somebody for floyd to discuss things with to talk to to bounce ideas off with and in the previous episode he was actually made into floyd's assistant now uh ron balls as assistant um so he I hope I really like balls and I know they're adding him in each episode. He's been in each episode a little bit more character development for him, or maybe a little bit more in the episodes. I would love to see that. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of going that route because he's getting a love interest, which is actually a celebrity chef that he found in yeah, the series. Yes. And cause he's a total foodie. So he, he talks about yeah. that. He goes into that, but the, what's going on with this is they are, this episode was the first episode I saw that, uh, yeah, Stu, Stu Bags was in it, which is a, it was a callback to Californication. But they are, this was the first episode I've seen that actually it didn't, it, 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 it was, it, st- it stood on its own without having any major references to any events that happened in Californication where this was something I watched. I'm like, I haven't seen anything like this. Now, that's not saying that any of the other episodes were bad or taking from anything at all. They were excellent. But what I'm saying is this episode, it was it was unique to the series. And it looks like it's setting up something major in the next episode. Yeah, correct. By the end of this episode, what happened in the school is that uh, uh, Amy and Peter's daughter runs off with Trevor. Floyd's mm-hmm. Floyd's son and they're hanging out together while the parents are talking uh, and the security guard catches them stealing a bag full of stuff I think you even see a discman in there which is kind of weird but I, I, they just dumped it out on the table as a bag full of stuff but in that situation again they instantly are blaming Trevor, Trevor. yeah and uh, right away again Floyd is we're saying why because he's black are you are you blaming my son because of that? My son doesn't lie, and they're like my my daughter doesn't lie, but Amy, the mother, is sitting there defending Floyd, kind of because he's going, ah, honey, hang on, Peter, hang on. She kind of does do a lot of this stuff because they're a dysfunctional family, and actually, even though Trevor, or I'm sorry, even though Floyd and Sadie are not together anymore, they are raising a very well, uh, well, uh, a very uh, honorable and uh, mature son. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Trevor. Trevor is uh, way more mature than Correct, yeah. his age uh, for for his age, yeah. and he's an he's a very honorable child. 
And I mean, so much so that I mean, when he dresses up, he he dressed himself up in a suit. Yeah. And Floyd is Floyd's giving him a hard time for it. He's like, "No, man, this isn't what you wear. That suit's got to go." But he goes, "You look like Urkel." And yeah. and but Trevor Trevor's like, "Well, I I like it. I like it, you know." And then yeah. so it, it, he's very much he's he's his his son is his own individual. And it's it, it, when you're watching this, you get a sense that. And we've talked about this where the son gives advice to the dad, the dad gives advice to the son, yep. and they're both in a, essentially raising each other. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, a couple episodes ago, Floyd gave his son some some advice, advice. About, a, about about women, and and, and in, in return, Floyd actually took the, the same advice, you know, mm-hmm. for Sadie. Now, in this episode, what happens at the end is that – because Trevor is such a mature little kid, he actually goes out of the, the office and the parents are again talking about what they should do now. And they're bringing up actually kicking Trevor out of the school. Mm-hmm. And because of Trevor, who he is, and like you said, he's his own standalone character or is his own individual. He's not being influenced by anybody um, b- besides his parents are raising him as a, a great young man. He actually walks back into the into the room, into the office with the little girl, and the little girl admits to stealing all the stuff, and and that was all on that was all on Trevor. That wasn't no influence on anybody else. That was just Trevor being a very mature young man, and uh, and so they after that they're like Peter was like oh and oh 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 he was kind of shocked by that, but Amy was like thank you honey for being honest. And that's when Floyd Mooney jumps up and goes, now I'm going to sue you. You know, he gets up and he gets all loud and he's like, now he gets right back into it, right back into their face. Now, mm-hmm. everything you guys just said, I want to took him back or I'm going to sue you guys for trying to kick out my son, you know. And then he says, and, you know, I'm not going to be the one that's going to be paying the donations and stuff. I'm that's also, right. He goes, I'm not paying for other kids to go to this school. And, you know, you know in fact, you guys are going to give me a discount. Yeah. So, so opening that opening scene where they get into the office she's the 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 head menstruous or the principal whatever you want to say it she's actually talking into floyd and sadie that they're going to be donating to help bring in under uh uh privileged kids from you know across you know la and floyd's like wait a minute how much money how much money so at the end of that damien yeah he's like i'm not paying for anything now yeah (laughs) and you're gonna give me money back and then the end, the end of it, it doesn't end like a lot of the episodes have ended up until this one with co- some type of form of like kind of comedy, but still lead you into thinking. Yes. This one, he finds out, he goes, he goes, gets a call from the his studio that he was supposed to be working on this new film, Angry Black. And you go in there and it's looking like, you know, Watergate. People are shredding things. There's not, yes. just everything's in disarray. Uh, the director is <laughs> Teddy Snow. Teddy Snow yeah, is losing his Teddy mind. Snow's He's on the phone and saying as many four letters uh, language he could possibly say into the phone. Who, who Teddy Snow is played by Michael Rappaport, who I love, and yeah. he's playing Michael <laughs> Rappaport right there. He is just screaming into the phone. And he and he's telling Floyd, "We're shut down. Don't worry. I'm I'm gonna bring you with me. Don't worry. We're gonna get this back together. Uh, this movie's gonna get made. I don't care if I have to, you know." Take the money from, you know, he's saying he's going to get different uh, sponsors and all this stuff. Uh, so it kind of ends on a uh, on a sad note. I think that's what you're trying to bring up, Daniel. Yeah. But also ends up, he, he's trying to find uh, Jamie Foxx throughout the episode, too. Yeah. He's trying to get a hold of Jamie Foxx because Jamie Foxx is mad at him 
for being too funny on the previous movie that he was with in Jamie Foxx. So I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes with that too. Yeah, and that's all everything that that happened, all the the craziness here is all that's leading up into what's going to happen in this next episode. And the next episode preview looks again like it's not it, it just it looks great. Looks like it's very much this one looks like it's going to be more hectic because of all of the things that are going down. And uh, we'll definitely be getting back in and we'll go deep into this one. This one also from some of the scenes that I've seen does take from a kind of, I think from the fourth season, uh, third, third or fourth season of Californication. It's uh, it it takes, it it does take place from a hectic scene when back when uh, Hank Mooney, uh, or Moody. No, w- or yeah. Which one's Moody? Mooney. Mooney is in Mooney this is one. Floyd Mooney. His wife. Yeah, is it, yeah. So, so Hank. So it's yeah. Hank Moody when he was a college professor, and so it's gonna kind of play along with that. So it's. I, I'm looking forward to it, and we will be talking about that next week. Next up, we're going to be talking Thor, which is just rocking the socks off the box office worldwide. Yeah, it's it's is it the number one movie now? Has it surpassed yeah, everything? It's, it's number one movie, yeah, everywhere. <laughs> and yeah, so so money wise, uh, has it made more money than any other Marvel cinematic in the MCU? I don't, I don't, I don't think that I don't. After one week, I don't think it could surpass Avengers one yet. No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's probably something I should have looked up before I brought it up there. <laughs> but, <laughs> Sorry about that. Ah <laughs> uh, no. So it, opening weekend, it made 121 million just within opening week, weekend, uh, breaking records for Marvel, and it's it, I mean it's the it's automatically the biggest most well uh, accepted or received accepted re- received uh, the whole the Hulk <laughs> Thor movie. Well, it kind of is a Hulk movie. It kind of is a Hulk movie. Uh, right now, it's at 431 million. Yeah. And rightfully so. This film—that's insane for that's insane for less than a week, though, Damien. I know, I know. You're almost at less than a week. You're almost at half. You're almost at half a million or half a billion. That's insane. And we still have we still. Uh, oh, I guess it was released last Friday, and we're recording on a Friday, so it's been a week. Four hundred thirty-one million. But after this weekend, I mean, it's probably going to overtake five hundred million. Yeah, I mean this this thing by time it's by time it's run its course. This one could e- easily hit. I mean, God, I mean, it could hit the billion. I mean, it's and insane. After yeah, after overseas and, and you know Asia, all that. Yeah, it might. Um, the budget was 180 million, so um, they're they're pretty happy. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 96 percent, um, eight out of ten. Uh, I've seen a nine out of ten score from I think IGN. I'd give it th- this film. I'd give it ten out of ten. It, I don't I, know how you. I don't know where you take anything away. That, that's what I mean. I don't know where you take any points away from this. I, I really hold Captain America, uh, the first Avenger, and I know your son does too, uh, yeah. Damien, uh, as my favorite MCU movie. Uh, I love that story. I love I love everything about that movie. It's right along with Iron Man number one for me, but Captain mm-hmm. America has always been my favorite. It's not anymore. Uh, no. I'm I, I sad to say that this movie has taken the cake for me. This is my by far my favorite MCU movie of all time now. 
and the thing is, is that it was so well paced. Now, people were, you know, are, were afraid about the comedy in this, but the comedy and action and everything, it's just so well put into its sections of where it shows up that it just plays well. Now, one thing that people might not know is in the MCU, the collector and the grandmaster are actually brothers. Uh, Okay. You'll notice you'll notice some of the similar makeup on on Jeff Goldblum as on Benicio del Toro, and yeah. uh, and that is they are actually they are actually brothers in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which has been stated that you will eventually see them meet up. Um, that how amazing would that be? Oh my God! Yeah, those two characters because they're both Je- Jeff Goldblum when he was on. There, there's a few characters that really fought for. Stealing the show. Jeff Goldblum, I've been really happy to see him kind of coming back into into films more, into the spotlight Big again. Jeff Goldblum fan. Yeah. yeah. Um, we know that he's going to be in the next Jurassic Park, so that's, that's kind of big. <laughs> and if anybody's not a fan of Jeff Goldblum, I know he can – his – Jeff Goldblum plays Jeff Goldblum in a lot of things. And uh, kind of like Jason Bateman plays Jason Bateman in a lot of things. Um, this Jeff Goldblum is not overused. It's perfectly timed. It, it's it's set up very well, and it ends very well too. Um, I, I'm I'm not gonna spoil anything, but did you see the oh yeah post? Yeah. Okay, so his character does end up very well, and it probably sets it up like you're talking about that eventually he'll he'll meet his brother. Another strong character that I like too. Uh, unless you want to, I'm sorry if I cut you off on Jeff oh, Goldblum. No, go ahead. Uh, Valkyrie, mm-hmm. um, to play by Tessa Thompson. Who's I also, love for, Tessa Thompson is also not not mean to cut you off, but Tessa Thompson is also from Westworld, which we we Correct, covered. Yeah. We loved her character in that she came into here. Valkyrie again, yes. Her introduction character. in the thing. I mean, I'm sitting next to three teenage boys, and we all were cracking up. I mean, her introduction to it, her her character throughout was extremely well done and again not overused nothing was overused here um you you even have a uh carl carl urban playing scourge scourge scorch scorch uh again uh not the strongest character um but again not overused you were you were you were uh curious of where he was going the whole time Mm -hmm. so just to bring up different characters that that people might be concerned about like, Oh, I don't know why they put them in there. They put this in there. Uh, Damien, I've already mentioned, this is very timely. The comedians, the com- comedy is timely based. The action is timely based. Um, the dialogue is, is great. The funny moments are extremely funny. And then the action moments are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how much did you like it when he's on the chain and kind of just spinning around slowly? <laughs> I mean, that the, the opening scene with Thor and spinning around that was just you can't not laugh at it you can't just take it in and just not that's smile. with Korg right and he's that, he's going up against Korg yeah weren't you surprised by that though because the opening scene he's talking to a skeleton and then he's hanging from the chain uh, yeah. kind of spinning and I was very surprised I was and I was like wow, where are they going with this and I know it's just the opening scene but I was surprised they went. Uh, they went there. It does connect very well, though. It does. Um, yeah, it, that cracked me up, and it was cracking my kids up, too. My 10-year-old next to me was just laughing. And that was the thing about this is that it hit on 
every age. And this is the other thing is, yes, uh, we, we know from the end of Doctor Strange that Doctor Strange is in this. And what's cool about it is, is because, so Doctor Strange brings in Thor, and, and they make a reference of this because when Doctor Strange came out, they're like, oh, this is, you know, this was the magic being brought into the MCU. They even make reference. Uh, this is this is a. <laughs> I'm gonna go spoiler on this. Is that that they make reference in Thor to uh, Loki meets Doctor Strange, and Loki tries to make oh Earth's got wizards now, and what you see is yeah Loki's powerful, but just in the little bit that Doctor Strange is around, and again not overuse of a character that's. But you see just how powerful Doctor Strange is, and it's, it's quick, quick little, little, little quips that he does that are perfectly timed, great paced, and it just the the reference of Loki saying, you know, something that's come from you know a lot of discussion is that Loki was the first magic, you know, showing that Thor brought in the mysticism. It was great for you know for Doctor Strange to come in there and be like, nope, doop, you're gone. <laughs> uh yeah that was that was really well done too and the scene more th- they're actually driving the story along with between mm-hmm. thor and dr strange mm-hmm. a little bit of spoiler here they are talking uh they were talking a little bit and they were driving the story along but the whole time there was just there was just the whole time dr strange was moving the scene along and changing the scenario that the scene was in and it was kind of uh, thor was just off put uh, he just it doesn't you know and he doesn't know where he, oh, now he's sitting down. Now he's standing up. Now he has a beer. Now his beer is spilling. Um, all that was so funny, but at the same time, the story was progressing. And Nick, I wanted to correct it. It's not Scorch, Carl uh, Urban's character. You were right the first time. It's Scourge. Scourge, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Carl Urban was pretty good at Scourge, too. I loved his uh, shaven head with his uh, two tattoos, <laughs> things coming down the side of the head. It almost reminds you of me of you, Damien. <laughs> <laughs> so far, I don't have the tattoos on the side there. That's just, but yeah, yeah. no. When, when I saw the character too, that was funny that you say that because uh, Carter, my, my middle son, when he sees when he saw that, he goes, "Oh," and I'm like, "What's oh?" And he goes, "Just I." He's yeah. I'm like, "What?" And then he turns around, and starts laughing, and he's just like, "That that's you." <laughs> and I'm like, and, and I'm just like, "What? Why can't I be one of the other characters?" And he's like, "No, no, that's." And I'm, I'm like, Okay, yeah, whatever. Why aren't you not the scientist that turns into a big green monster? <laughs> <laughs> now, the this is the first series, first movie in the in the trilogy of the Hulk story, of the Planet Hulk story that's being brought into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's a lot of concern on how they how they were going to do this, but I'm telling you what, after seeing the setup that they did in this, yes, I there's I have absolutely no concern. I wasn't concerned at all because I'm such a huge Planet Hulk fan of the book. Oh, same here. <laughs> um, I was happy that they're going to put this in, but I didn't want it to be my favorite term, shoehorned in, where you're just like, oh, okay, they had to throw that in there just to make it look, make it sense. This made complete sense to even where they show. Uh, I don't want to spoil that. Anyways, and during the trailer, they do show Hulk as Mark Ruffalo. You see Mark mm-hmm. Ruffalo, so I'm not spoiling anything there. So you do see Hulk. You know Thor and Hulk are going to fight, and you see Mark Ruffalo. Um, so you know that character uh, develops a little bit. Now, we talked about World War Hulk uh, trilogy probably three three weeks ago. That it was going to be that, that we weren't sure. We knew Thor was coming out, but we didn't know that the trilogy was going to be a part of this Thor movie. 
And when it came out, we talked about Thor, uh, sorry, Hulk not being able to have his own standalone movie. Um, and a lot of us agreed with that. Some of us disagreed uh, that we think that Hulk could run, you know, have his own standalone movie. Now, how much would you like to see Hulk in his own planet in space in his own little world from the Planet Hulk story? I, I think it could be done now. I, I honestly... I honestly think it could be done. The dialogue that Hulk has in the movie is funny, but if you have other very strong characters around him, he, he doesn't have to speak so much. He yep. can just, you know, and everybody knows the Hulk is sad. Hulk is mad, you know, that type of stuff. And there's a little bit of that in this movie. Uh, but it, it actually, you find Hulk to be a, a more than just a one dimensional character as in the Hulk form. Uh, we know Mark Ruffalo's, you know, several dimensions he's a scientist and all that but as the hulk form he's not a one-dimensional character in this in this movie yeah it was the the scenes that you see hulk in i mean it just it hulk doesn't steal scenes what steals the scenes is the acting between thor and hulk the 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 interactions not acting the interactions between thor and hulk or that Valkyrie and Hulk. Val- Valkyrie and Hulk, yes. Valkyrie and Hulk. Valkyrie Valkyrie kind of takes the place, in not as a love interest, but takes the place in some aspects of Black Widow, where she's kind of calming to to Hulk. Correct. Yeah. Hey, that that's that's a good uh, that's a good reference there. Valkyrie, you could see a Valkyrie Hulk tag team thirty minute movie, you know, where it's just them two, a buddy buddy cop drama with them two into it. Uh, those two together were, were really good. I really enjoyed that. And then one of the other characters that really just kind of, which is from the, the Planet Hulk, is, um, let's see, Korg? Yeah, Korg. The big Korg? rock. Yeah, the yeah. big rock character. Uh, that was that was just, it was it was funny. He When he comes up and introduces himself, you're like, whoa, <laughs> the voice. Oh, yeah, because he's a big... Basically, he looks like the thing from Fantastic Four in a different type yeah. of shape. Uh, but then he has this very soft, docile tone voice. Um, and every scene he's in, he almost steals that scene. Every scene he's in, I'm, I'm focused on him. I was like, oh, my God, there there he is again. Oh, yeah, he's he's the comic relief, but he's also, he's also a warrior at the same yes. time. And that's yeah. a... That's vo- I I can't pronounce his name, but the Kia Watita. Yeah, Taika Watiti. Yeah, he has a very soft voice because he's the voicing Korg throughout this, you know, in this movie. He's also known as Taika Cohen, and I can't pronounce where he's from. Maybe we shouldn't introduce this name. But yeah, he's his character's awesome. And actually plays in a deeper role into the kind of the, the whole Ragnarok and everything story. Correct, like if you yeah. know more about his character and where his people come from. But the inclusion just of, of everything. Now, we know that Death or Kate uh, uh, Blanchett's character, uh, Hella. Hella, that she is Death. She is yeah. the, the god of death. And that, but what you find out. You know, Thor's always been, you know, oh, I have my mighty hammer. He's tough. But this what they this does is it it forces this film forces Thor to take the role of the leader. 
of his people. It forces yes. forces Thor to actually, you know, he's the god of thunder, but we've never really seen that. No, it, it forces him to become Odin. Mm-hmm. In this in this movie, and I'm not spoiling anything here because it's already been leaked all over the place. Hela crushes his hammer. She takes it and just crumbles it into pieces. And you see it throughout the, uh, several of the trailers where he's like, yeah, I lost my hammer. It's pretty recent, you know, and it just happened yesterday. Very funny scenes. But it, he kind of is lost without it because he says, he goes, oh, I'll just take my hammer. And I spin it around. And he's telling Korg this and I fly. And Korg's like, oh, so you have a pretty good relationship with the hammer. So it does bring up the fact that Hor, uh, Thor, Thor, <laughs> Thor has to survive. Cut that out, Damien. Thor has to survive. I don't know if I'm going to on that one. <laughs> Thor has to survive without his hammer and discover himself a little bit and discover who he is or who he's going to become. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't the, – the whole show, movie is well-paced, and so you don't – it's not like you're sitting there waiting for this stuff to happen. Nope. It, it happens. You see it. You get excited by it. It's, it's just really it's, – it's great, great-paced, again, like we said, without trying to – to stutter over myself and keep saying it or spoil uh, anything or spoil too much. It is a film that all ages, uh, you know, you, you, the, mm-hmm. the, the nephews went inside and it, and it's like, you know, you're, you're, and then my, my boys all side and, you know, and I have, my boys are teenagers as well. So they're sitting there, you know, they, they like certain characters, my, my, you know, and then there was a scene. So ladies, uh, ladies or, or gentlemen or whatever, uh, if you, if you like Thor shirtless, this is the most jacked Chris Hemsworth has been. <laughs> yeah, he is jacked. He's walked out there. Yeah. And when he's walking around without his shirt on, again, my uh, my wife would state that a movie of Thor walking around shirtless would just for two hours. She and a lot of other people would go see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I, my the wife whole, would go see that for that. The whole theater gasped when <laughs> during that scene. I like I'm like so I'm up in the back. I'm in the far back in the theater. So when that scene comes up, every the whole theater literally it was like, <gasps> and I was la- I was the only like person that why everybody was gasping. I was just dying of laughter. Me and me and my boys. <laughs> but would you uh, would you consider this movie? Could you consider this movie to be a straight comedy? It is throughout the thing. It's comedy slash action movie. You could actually yeah put okay. That. I would put this in the same category as uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's a, like a that, buddy that comedy. Sense. That's a, bu- a yeah, buddy, correct, a buddy yeah. action, action comedy. I think out of all the MCU movies, this is the funniest movie, and it is driven by a lot of comedy. Um, a lot of the other movies are driven by the action or the story. This one is, it, it has a great story to it, um, and it drives it along very well. But I could see this movie if you just wrote it down as like, oh, this is a straight comedy. I, I wouldn't argue with it until you see the scenes with Hella. The scenes with hell yeah. are not funny. <laughs> they're no. they're yeah, they're straight action. And then one thing I wanted to also toss in there for people to keep a keen eye out for is there are there is uh there is a scene where you need to be looking for you see someone that looks very similar to Thor in it. And that would be because that is also an alumni from Westworld that is uh Luke Hemsworth. It is Chris's Chris Hemsworth's uh older brother. And then uh, someone else you might recognize, which I was kind of hoping if he showed up, which, well, actually, he did originally have an offer to him to play uh, uh, play Hawkeye. 
So it was interesting to see him in here. You see Matt uh, Damon. Oh, for a little bit. I, oh my God, I forgot all about that. That was uh, yeah, that was that was hilarious, and uh, yeah, and Luke Hemsworth too, is yeah. actually Luke Hemsworth and Matt Damon are in the same scene together. Yeah, and so it's a good it's a good little Easter egg in there. Uh, if you're if you're trying to figure out why that guy looks so much like like Thor, it's because it's his older brother. And then yes, it's it's Matt Damon. He is he's in in it. Uh, and it's it's just funny because yeah, Matt Damon was originally offered a position to play Hawkeye, and def- then he declined. So this was a way just to kind of get him in there to be able to say, hey, you know, here's some yeah. here's some comedy for you. Good Easter. Not like it actually, yeah, not like it really needed it, but it 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 was a good again. It was just a good fun film. You don't um, you don't you you don't get bored by that at all. You're like, what is going on no. here? <laughs> no, the there wasn't a there wasn't a time where I felt like I could go to the restroom during this film. Like I had to see uh, no. every scene. Yeah. I, I didn't want to miss anything. All right. So with that, we're going to kind of close out of this and we're going to go into the hype train. Now the hype trains, not too much this week. Uh, we're basically going to just touch on touch on more, more or less two things. Uh, one is uh, kind of when we're following a show that there's not enough of us, there's not all, not a bunch of us that are watching it. What we'll do is we'll probably talk about the initial initial episode that, hey, we're watching this, and then we're going to go in. Then later on, we're going to go into more. And one of those things is something that Nick's been following. Yeah, so I'm, I'm watching Mr. Robot Season 3, and I've talked about it a couple times on this show. But nobody really else is watching it right now that's on the podcast. And so these characters are so in-depth, and there's so much to them. It's kind of hard to bounce ideas off other people, especially since this show is very deep. Um, it goes, it goes very dark at sometimes and it's very light at sometimes. Um, so it's hard to really base, uh, jump off or jump on with somebody and, and really have a conversation about that. So we don't want to bore any of the listeners about me just rambling on about Mr. Robot over, you know, each week, but it is a show I'm going to continue to watch. If there's listeners out there that are watching it, fantastic. Um, I did want to mention that, uh, episode five is called runtime error. Um, this is supposed to be. I love a the continue. name. I do love the yeah, name. Yeah, all the names are great like that. Uh, Sam Esmail, he likes his long continuous shots. Um, you see it a lot of times. And this show was aired commercial free. It this episode, sorry, was aired commercial free, and it was promoted as a continuous shot for forty three to forty five minutes. But there, there's there's edits in there. There's minor edits and there's hidden edits. Um, but one part, if you're a Mister Robot fan, everybody knows about E Corp. Angela works at E Corp, and in season three, Elliot's working at E Corp. Um, in this episode, he is banned from E Corp, and as he's banned, there is a lot of rioters and protesters outside of E Corp about the UN vote coming up, and about their currency and everything E Corp is doing. Now, this shot shows the protesters getting through the line of cops into E Corp and upstairs. Uh, by using somebody's badge, and they're basically destroying E Corp. They're spray painting everywhere. They're knocking everything over, and then the camera moves to Angela in the office. Now she's kind of locked into her office, but she gets a phone call from uh, Bobby, uh, the character played by Bobby Carnavella, who is fantastic in season three, and she he needs her to get Elliot to move stage two along. Now this shot, she can't find Elliot, so she's going to do it herself. And this shot. It shows her a continuous shot for leaving her office, going through the floor, 
avoiding the protesters, avoiding getting basically killed. And there's not a lot of dialogue. It's just her facial expressions of her being scared, shocked, worried for her life. She has to go through the elevator. She has to complete a task. And then she has to go back down to the floor again to trade off the package. I'm only mentioning this real quick because if you're a Mr. Robot fan, this is why you watch Mr. Robot. This episode is probably my favorite by far in all three seasons. It's shot beautifully. The long, continuous shots are great. Um, the way they do it overhead, they kind of lead the character along. You kind of see where they're going through the maze. And then it brings it back down into right into her face. Um, obviously, that's an edit, but it's really well done. Go now, ahead, Damien. What's, what's been really cool about just with the new tech and stuff that's out there is you don't see a lot of the the crane filming anymore. where Because it used to be the overhead shots. You're on a platform, and they got a big crane that they're kind of drawing over, over yep. scenes. Everything now, I mean, this is the thing. If you're out there and you're really good at flying drones, you think that you're really good at you're doing these races, you're doing all that stuff, you might have a job in Hollywood because a lot of these people are actually getting picked up because all these scenes are being filmed by drones. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. And all of that, but the GoPros are so good now. Mm -hmm. um, or they're not using GoPros, they're using something else, but the technology to strap it to their chest and not the camera's not bobbling along like Blair Witch Project. Um, and this scene, Angela's running through and you get her and it's right on her face. So you're not seeing what's going on. She's just reacting to what's going on. Mm -hmm. Really well done. Everybody should check out. If you haven't checked out Mr. Robot yet and you're into cyber terrorists, you're into things that are political because this is very drawn into season three of uh, Donald Trump and the political climate that we're in this world right now, check out Mr. Robot. When the season's done, we're going to have a recap on that, and Nick will take us down the rabbit hole. Okay. So next up on the hype train, we're going to talk about Justice League, the film. When Nick brought this up a while back, and he was bringing, talking about the mother box theory, which uh, you, you were talking about the, the fact that this has been revealed, that this is way that the direction that Justice League is going. Yeah, and I think when I talked about it, I was just watching the trailers. But if you go in deep, you can kind of tell that's what's going on. Um, uh, Dark Side, Dark Side is sending his general down Steppenwolf to collect the power of the Mother Boxes. Uh, this is this is kind of connecting the way the MCU universe is connecting with uh, Thanos collecting the gems mm -hmm. uh, for the Power Glove. Uh, so there, there is a connection there. So they are doing something where you could see that they're trying to collect an ultimate power and the Justice League has to stop this. So you can kind of see how this is going to connect through more movies. And they are waiting for Justice League to come out, I heard, and see how the reviews are, see how, how much money it makes before the Flash movie is actually greenlit. I did read something about that. I could be wrong. Um, uh, but I, uh, if this movie does good and it makes money, then we'll definitely see a Flash movie. And for anybody that's down on superhero movies and how much is going, how many they are, and the deluded, the deluded uh, uh, Hollywood is right now with, with, uh, with uh, Marvel movies and uh, superhero movies, if you are a fan and grew up with these type of characters, um, even Transformers, that world, uh, uh, any type of superhero film... If you get three great ones out of ten, three horrible ones, and then four good ones, I, I think that's worth to, to keep seeing them because we obviously still want them to be made. 
Justice yeah. League reviews are coming out right now, and they're kind of a little bit all over the place. We'll, we'll, we'll see when we get a little bit better reviews out. Um, but uh, I think people should go see this no matter what. I want people to go see this because I want this universe to continue is basically what I'm trying to say. Same here. And yeah. I, I'm i excited. I mean, one of the th- characters, I'm after seeing Wonder Woman, I, I'm, I'm, I hate that I, I didn't go see it in theaters. Yeah, me too. I that and again, that's what I'm saying. That's why the point yeah. I'm making is I didn't go see it in theaters either, and I should have. Yeah, and now I I'm probably mostly excited about Aquaman. To be honest, uh, Jason Momoa's Aquaman looks like it's just gonna be fun, and that's probably. I mean, and and with the most recent updates that they've shown from the graphics that they've utilized on Cyborg. Uh, I'm not as against Cyborg as I was before. When I first saw him, I was like, oh, God, this is not looking good. Um, and for anybody that doesn't know, Cyborg... Re- Re- Robocop look. Yeah, correct. And if anybody doesn't know, Cyborg is armors made by his father, and it's it's made out of material from the mother box. So he is one of the mother boxes, so that's why he's in this movie. And if you're wondering why, he's not, he's not an original member of JLA... But this is why he's in this movie. Oh, you know, I just had, I just had a theory. What if, because we see that little hint of green, what if the yes. guy that shows up is Beast Boy? <laughs> just throw <laughs> random, random teen titans into the movie? Yeah, just, just you know, because of Cyborg. You know, it's Beast Boy. It's like, yeah. hey, I knew you were coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could be. <laughs> that, I mean, that would throw everybody I hope they, for a loop. It would totally throw everybody a loop. I'm still hoping on Nightwing. Yeah, yeah, I I can I get that too. Uh, but or Green Lantern. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people think it's going to be Green that, Lantern, but yeah, either one I'd be I'd be happy with. But I mean, just if if they wanted to throw everybody for a loop to get that buddy, you know, Cyborg's friend or whatever, it winds up being Beast Boy. Beast Boy shows up. I mean, <laughs> the, you, you never know. Stranger now, things has happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in closing, we wanted to just bring up the thing about Disney. Uh, they're going to have a streaming service that they've been getting together. We've been talking about that for a bit. One of the things that's going to happen is they are pulling their films from other streaming services. I don't think this means that like if you're watching HBO Go, you'll still get the you know the movies on there as well. They're not. I don't. I don't think they're going to take it from all this. But yeah, Netflix's contract is going to be up with them. It's now looking like they are going to start pulling that they could be pulling the Netflix Marvel uh, series. And that's yeah. sad because we're just getting, we're just getting the Punisher. Yeah. And, and Disney announced Tuesday that they're going to end their distrib- distribution deal with Netflix in order to launch their own streaming platform. Um, and, but they do mention in this article, like the last Jedi rocket wreck it, Ralph sequels, the Incredibles, um, uh, Infinity War will still hit Netflix. This is not going to happen for a little bit. So anybody with Netflix that catches these movies on there, don't panic. We have a little bit of time here. Um, yeah. Also, I did see that the price point of the Disney streaming service is going to be cheaper than Netflix. They well, mentioned that. I will probably get it. <laughs> my, I mean, my, my We kids, talked about this my... before. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. We talked about this before. How much would you pay for Netflix? Um, uh, and now it looks like we might have to pay for Netflix and Disney. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, get, they get all these movies that we love. Very true. But one of the things that Disney is doing is they announced that they are going to bring a new unannounced Marvel series to 
their streaming service. And if it's anything like The Gifted, then I, I I would pay just for that show alone. Yeah, I mean, I'm a very excited. That was the best news that we got out of this, I think, for me anyways, is that a new series to be developed. And I'm, I'm really happy about that. How about Scratching Humans and just restart it with Disney? Uh, yeah, you know, that would... If they own I'd those be, characters. I, would, I don't know if they own Black Bolt. I, I don't know if Fox owns Black Bolt. I don't know if... Is Inhumans a Marvel show or a Fox show? Uh, I don't know. But no, I, mm. Inhumans was originally... See, Black Bolt was originally offered to... Was supposed to be the, the voiced character, actually acted out character that Vin Diesel was going to play in the film. But then they t- turned it to series. Oh, okay. But, yeah, so Inhumans, so, is, Inhumans is Fox. Oh, okay. Oh, no, Marvel and Humans. I'm... Marvel. Sorry about that. Yeah, so we're looking forward to we're looking forward to seeing how the Disney thing going. Yeah, it does feel like, you know, between Hulu, between all this stuff that yeah, that we are getting nickel and dime, but what I'm curious also about is, you know, Hulu has a Marvel series. Are they going to pull the Marvel series from Hulu? The Runaways. Yeah, I don't know. Uh but for cord cutters out there, you can get HBO Go on its own now for mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, Westworld. You can get Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and now a Disney show. All together, that might add up to $50, $60 a month. It still would be cheaper than having Comcast cable for me as a, you know, or mm-hmm. Frontier cable or whatever type of cable you have. And with that, this week, we're going to say where you can locate us and whatnot. And that would be... Our email, you can reach us two different email addresses, geekologist at ninjapancake.com. That's one of our, our partners that we we appear on. A lot of other great podcasts over there. Geek Squatch is one. They coming up. They are celebrating Arnold Month, by the way, guys. And then that's great. The other other uh, one that's come that you can reach us on, other email is uh, podcast at geekologistradio.com. Twitter, you can reach us at Geekologist Radio, minus the T for character restrictions. On the web at geekologistradio.com, you can find us or www.ninjapancake.com, and where you can find all the other awesome podcasts that we're a part of the Ninja Pancake family. Now, Nick, where can we find you? You can locate me on Twitter at Nick and PDX, all one word, and check out the Geekologist Facebook page. Awesome. And we're all we all manage the Facebook page. We try to put up news there throughout the throughout the week. Sometimes it's a little slow, but no, there's other times where we're just firing things off left and right. Depends how the news cycle is. Exactly. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Damian Nash, all one word. And for the the Geekologist Radio podcast, we are out of here. Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs>